Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Bohm, your host. And today I have a really interesting episode for you. This is truly me stalking somebody. Well, like, you know, like in a healthy way. Uh, I found Rick Ellis on YouTube because he was putting out jujitsu videos or videos on how to approach jujitsu in a different way. Videos on how to approach jujitsu from the mind of a 57-year-old creative, as opposed to, say, a 25-year-old, you know, steroided-up athlete. And so I watched a bunch of Rick's videos, and I thought, wow, this guy, the way he thinks is really different. And the way he talks is really different. The way he approaches challenges and systems and ideas is very different. I really want to have him on the show. And Rick was very gracious and, and, and came on the show and shared a bit of his story about going from what he thought was going to be having it all, you know, like multi, multi-million dollar business sale to having nothing and having to recreate himself in his mid-50s and how he's doing it with a YouTube channel, how he's doing it with jujitsu, and how he's doing it just in, in everyday life. And I thought, wow, this is a conversation I want you guys to hear on this podcast because of how many of you are going through similar transitions or recovering from similar transitions or about to face similar transitions, or even if you're not in a similar transition, how you can use the same approach, the same attitude, the same mental constructs that Rick puts out. So Rick is also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which means he can choke the fuck out of most of us. So to me, he's also an interesting person in that realm. He lives in Wyoming, just up the street from me, and has a really great approach to all things in his life. So please enjoy this. Men especially take some notes. We talk into some guy stuff. Really, really great. And if this moves you, I would love it if you would share the episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is, give us a, a rating, drop us a note, leave, a, leave some feedback. Like It really, really helps, folks. So I appreciate you doing that. And as always, this episode is brought to you by the great humans and mythical Sasquatch at Zen Squatch, Z-E-N-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H. This company that you know has sponsored the podcast, is supporting me, and is helping folks just like you and I bring our best selves forward into everyday life. So yeah, they sell some t-shirts. They're awesome. They're super comfy. I will tell you, if you wear the t-shirt, random people will come up and also talk to you. Which is cool because I like I'm not a I did I wasn't a Sasquatch person, but now people think I'm a Sasquatch person, and that's kind of cool. And there's a lot of Sasquatch people out there. I didn't know this, but this company has come in. They've supported me. They're supporting people. They give a portion of everything that you buy to help public meditation centers. Which I don't know about you guys, but it seems like the collective could really use some me some meditation. So please go to www.zensquatch.com. Use the code Uncivilized after you check out. You'll get a fat discount. 
Hit them up on social media at Zen Squatch on Instagram. Tag them if you're wearing their stuff. They're like, they're really, really great humans and they're really, really helpful in supporting me. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Ellis. Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. We, you guys, for folks listening, Rick was just about to dive into a little bit of his own exploration of what he's doing on the web. And so instead of getting a formal question, sir, you were saying, yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I, I appreciate it. And by the way, how appropriate is it for me to show up on a podcast called Man Uncivilized with, with the black eye? <laughs> I mean, dude, dude, I prepare for the part, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do appreciate you taking one for the team and looking you know, a little bit gnarly here. Uh, you know, and it's probably good that your show isn't called Man Undressed. Otherwise... Yeah. <laughs> I debated, you know, because <laughs> I'm all in, man. <laughs> what happened to your eye? Um, I had an intense but brief relationship with one of my students' kneecap. <laughs> okay, it happens. It yeah. happens. Was it some? Was it the like the customary slap hands? Like, hey, let's just go light. I'm just coming back <laughs> after a long injury, right? <laughs> no, he's you know he's. You know, he's, he's pretty good and he's a bigger guy and he, he actually moves pretty well for a big guy and, yeah. but he's tough, man. He, you know, he tends to go hard and, you know, it's always a good exchange with him, but you know, he zigged, I zagged and yep. his kneecap hit, it hit happens. the skull. It happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rick. So I have so many questions for you. Most of them aren't jujitsu related though. Although I found you through jujitsu, mm-hmm. appreciate you through jujitsu. But the fact that your your YouTube page was called The Art of Skill piqued my feather. Like got my, I was like, wait a minute, what's, what's this guy talking? And the fact that you weren't just doing uh, skill demos and angles and attacks and approaches, yeah. but seemed to be far more into the how do you take jujitsu philosophy and apply it to life frame. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's fascinating, especially with a podcast that's a primarily male demographic. Yeah, uh, and this conversation, I think, even coming up in the jujitsu world, the of hey, this is we're all dudes. Yeah. A lot of us aren't doing really well on the dude front, despite the fact that we're doing really well on the jujitsu front. Mm-hmm. So, would you mind sharing a little bit of your journey into going from jujitsu to a, a teacher on YouTube, and more so the the frame around your your project here? Yeah, you know. I, and, and, and I'm glad you want to talk about things beyond jujitsu because, you know, jujitsu is a huge part of my life. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's changed my life. It's changed many people's lives. It's transformative. And there's so many lessons to learn. It's a microcosm of life in a way. You can apply the lessons of jujitsu in, in the real world in so many profound ways. But that's not the totality of who I am. Mm. I am someone that is a little bit OCD and I tend to you know, my life has gone in kind of 10 year cycles. I'm old enough now that I can see this pattern where about every decade, I have this intense urge to completely reinvent my life. Mm-hmm. And I almost think of it as software, like Rick 1.0 was in my twenties, 2.0 was my thirties and, and so on. And so when I thought about launching this YouTube channel, you know, I had this idea for the art of skill. I like that name because to me, uh, you know, one of the points that I make on the, on the branding of the channel is that the highest expression of skill is artistry. Mm. It, it becomes indistinguishable for 
from artistry. And it doesn't matter the domain, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's dance, whether it's, you know, someone who's a you know, high level actor, whether, you know, whatever that is, a coach, sure. the highest level sort of transcends skill and it becomes just something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I always, you know, I kind of like that concept and, you know, the world does not need another jujitsu channel. The world does not need another channel where you're teaching the Kimura and so on. And although I I have to say, I'm, you know, I'm an older guy and I started jujitsu way too late in life and, you know, I'm pretty determined. And I, I've, in a lot of ways, I think age is just, uh, it's just an illusion. It's a construct. Not that it doesn't matter. It does matter, but in a lot of ways it's a construct. So, so when I thought about this channel, I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, it could be jujitsu, but maybe in some ways geared toward older athletes, maybe geared towards maybe some conceptual stuff that goes sort of beyond the normal, you know, I have a background in creative realms. And so I wanted to bring a look to it and a yeah. style to it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still not there yet. I, you know, I want this to be just beautiful cinematography, really just killer content. Mm. Um, but again, you know, the totality of who I am goes beyond jujitsu. And I thought, you know, I'm interested in men's issues. I'm interested yeah. in, in issues of becoming the best person we can be issues of self-actualization. I'm, I'm interested. I'm just curious about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so how can I roll all of this into maybe a channel that is fundamentally more about achieving our potential, mm-hmm. you know, within the physical, you know, that has a physical mm-hmm. component. There's a mental component. There's a, you know, there, it touches on a lot of things, but it's sort of how to become the best versions of ourselves. That's kind of see how I see that where the channel is going. Yeah. It's still early. I'm still sort of figuring it out as I go, but that's kind of my thought process. That's oh, beautiful. How, if I can ask just some specific questions, how old yeah. are you? I'm 57, man. Beautiful. You look amazing. I love the it, haircut. It breaks and my it, heart now to say it, but it's true. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 you know, I have a couple guys in my program who are in their seventies yeah. and we have, they, they do a weekly, uh, God bless them. They do a weekly video for everybody in the membership and we call them the elder council. Mm. And there's something about the transition. This is a side note. I think from a robust younger man into a stage of elderhood that isn't talked about yeah. and isn't discussed. And I, I feel for, I both feel for guys your age and also think there's such an opportunity for you to actually rewrite what used to be the path that you knew yeah. your position as an elder. We respected you. We revered you. You, you at 59 have, or 57 have so much more knowledge than I do at 45. You have 12 fucking years. And those yeah. are big years. They're not zero yeah. to 12. They're 45 to 57. So one, thank you for, for, for just owning that and coming on and sharing from that point. Uh, one thing that caught me that I would love to dive into, you said you reinvent yourself every decade. Mm-hmm. A lot of the listeners on this channel are in transition or a lot of them, Rick, are scared of the, let's call it impending transition that's going to come whether they want it or not. Would you mind sharing, I guess, the frame you have around it so that you don't go from point A to point B with regret, with guilt, with the like, oh, man, I wasted those 10 years being an architect, and here I am now a jujitsu guy. How do you advise men, especially, to gracefully transition and not beat the shit out of themselves along the way? 
Man, Traber, that is a that's a very deep question that can touch on a lot of elements. And coincidentally, I am entering an entirely new transition. And you know, I I mean we can get into this stuff as you want, but Please. up until a couple of years ago, I owned a software business. Uh, which it got, which got acquired, and it's a long, convoluted story. You know, with ups and downs. Toward the end, there was more downs than ups, but we got acquired. And in that acquisition, on paper, I was worth thirty-six million dollars two years ago. Okay. And this was part of this grand business plan that we were going to execute, that pushed our software into the realm of artificial intelligence, machine learning. We we're going to turn it into this whole other thing. We had these investors that were very interested in this big idea. It wasn't so much uh, what our software did at the time. It was what it, it could become. And so that's what the acquisition came about. I was I became the CEO of that new venture. Um, this was a cashless deal because they were going to fund this massive expansion. And so on paper, I became a majority shareholder in the acquiring entity. And I was done. I basically said, this is it. This is my retirement. I'm going to be living large. A year later, uh, the investors literally walked away. And in doing so, they destroyed the entire enterprise. The whole thing came crashing down and it literally cost me everything. I lost every penny I had. I had to cash out everything. And, um, and so you want to talk about starting over and you know, again, what's funny, it's this is another 10-year cycle. It's always in these 10-year cycles. And we can go back in time and talk about some of the other ones and how I approach those cycles. But I, but I will say for those people listening, if you're scared and you think that, you know, the next chapter is, you know, going to be hard, be that guy that at 57, 56 years old literally loses everything and is standing there thinking, what the fuck am I going to do when I grow up? You know, and, and you go through the stages of grief, you go to a dark place, but ultimately you have to get through that. And I think there's one stage beyond acceptance, right? The stages of grief is ends with acceptance. Well, no, there's a stage beyond acceptance, which is the excited embrace for the new path. Mm. And to me, um, you have to turn that corner and it's like, you know what? Now, this is a new chance. It's a chance to write an entirely new chapter and, and go for it and get on a path and walk. And so for me, you know, this YouTube channel, as silly as it seems, you know, and in some ways it is silly to be a YouTuber in my 50s. But I did an assessment. I thought, listen, I've, I don't have much left here, but what do I do have? Okay, I got a shitload of camera gear. I have creative instincts. I have experience doing this stuff. I have maybe a little wisdom. I have things I can share. I'm a jujitsu black belt. I have a little academy that I you know, teach every night. Maybe that can be the start of a path, a new path that I can grow this thing into becoming a resource for men. Maybe it's a, re you know, who knows? I have no idea what it's going to become, but right. you have to <clears throat> dive in headfirst in, into the new path. And just embrace the journey and not be scared. Say, say, listen, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be okay. Just put one foot in front of the other, and just, just go for it. So uh, that's an interesting question, and your timing is good because I'm in this massive transition right now in my own life where I've gone from, you know, 
that that super high to the super low to now I'm excited to see where this new journey comes. And, you know, I'm not making any money yet, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm connecting. I'm connecting with guys like you. I'm, I'm connecting with a lot of people right now. And yeah. I know I can feel it. I can feel momentum growing, momentum building. And so maybe that's the, that's the biggest piece of advice is momentum comes from doing, right? Momentum comes from doing, not waiting. If you are looking out the window thinking, man, I'm not happy where I'm at. What is that next thing? What is that next thing? There's no momentum there. You're, you're a static organism. You're, you know, the inertia has stalled. It is the act of taking a step, even if it's not exactly the correct step, but you have to get on a path and you have to begin walking that path and through that experience. So, you know, you mentioned someone that spent 10 years in, as an architect, let's say, and you're not happy in that field, but, but, you know, guess what? Those 10 years were not a waste because they've shaped you into the person you are. Now it's time to leverage that into a new pathway, find where that new crossroads is, but, but don't be paralyzed by thinking, what's next? What's next? I'm not happy. I don't know what's next. I'm scared. I have a certain standard of living. I can't give that, you know, there's all this, you know, sticky inertia that's stopping. You have to, you know, build, you, you know, the forward inertia yeah. to do that. So, uh, I, you know, that, that's, that's what I, I would say. Um, fear is a real killer. You just have to throw away the fear. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that whole story, Rick. I, I, had no I, I didn't mean to do that. And no, it's, it feels, it feels, it's it feels perfect. weird to say it because, you know, I, I'm a little, I'm kind of a private person in a lot of yeah. ways, which, which is sort of strange for me to be doing this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you I know what? I, I don't want people to, whatever. That's just, it's a chapter, yeah. whatever. It's, I don't need to share that, but maybe it's, you do. Maybe it's good. Yeah, you do. Cause it's, I, here, let me take you actually back to the day and then we can, we can talk about why. Tell me how you woke up the day you realized, okay. I just hit a fucking grand slam. Oh, actually, okay. they called it back and, they, and I struck out in the bottom of the ninth and, and it's over. How, how did you yeah. take that first step that morning? How did you go? Okay. I, you well, know, that I, was a relief. I mean, to go a, a little, little bit back. So about 20 some years ago in the kind of the early days of the internet, I founded a software company. I saw an opportunity to found this. I was not a programmer. I was working as a recording engineer and a sound designer in Los Angeles, working on TV shows and film production. And, you know, I was just a busy freelance engineer in LA um, with a pretty decent career. I, lo I loved that career mm -hmm. and I didn't mean to leave it, but I discovered the internet dove in and I had a lot of downtime as a freelancer. You, you know, I'd go to Europe to do a project for two weeks. I'd be back and have nothing to do for two weeks. And so mm -hmm. when the internet emerged and, and nobody was online, I mean, you had to go buy a modem and I mean, nobody was online. But I remember that first day logging on and I thought, okay, there is something here. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. There is some, I just knew it. I had this visceral sort of in, intuition that this was going to be big. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I would tell people about it. Have you been, have you gotten online? And a friend of mine was like, dude, that is the most boring thing in the world. I go there and it's like, what the hell do you do there? Like they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And, and I got it right away. And so I started building websites, uh, just for just, you know, I, I get OCD on stuff. And so I started just learning graphic design, learning web development, just, just teaching myself this stuff. Mm -hmm. And eventually some of my audio clients started asking me to, uh, 
build them websites. Like there was a TV show called the Highlander. I don't know if you remember that yeah, show yeah. When, when you were a kid, Yeah, uh, their first websites on CBS, you know, they, that was my website. And so I, some, some of my audio clients started asking me to do this. And I thought this was just going to be a little side hustle, but one night I discovered this new tool called blogger. And we take it for granted. Now in those early days, the web was a static place. It was just brochures. And I found blogger, uh, this guy, Ev Williams, who he's the guy that would go on to found Twitter. And I mean, this guy's got the Midas touch. He's, I'm so jealous of that guy. Like everything he's done has turned into a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool dude. I, I knew Evan back in the day. And um, so he had founded this thing called blogger. It was a little server in his closet, literally in his closet, in his apartment. And he had a hundred, you know, hundred customers. And I saw this and it just was like a pile of bricks falling from the sky hitting me. And I'm like, okay, because this is not a static thing. This is dynamic content that is being served in real time to people. You as the user can log into a control panel. You can post your thoughts, you can post whatever, and boom, there it is. And I, it, I, I said, I gotta be, I gotta get in on this. This is it. This is the future of the web. And so I taught myself a programming language. I came up with this idea for a product. I didn't call it a blogging application initially because we take it for granted now, but in the early days, you didn't know, was blogging a fad? The term is, mm-hmm. is this a fad? Is this going to be a silly you know, thing? We didn't know. But I thought the, the idea of, of pushing dynamic content to the web is, is, this is the future, man. This is the future of the web. And um, so I did it. And again, I thought this was just a side hustle. I released this application after about a year. I built a lot of it in Japan. I was doing a bunch of work for Disney over in Japan. And then I came back and I was working on the TV show Family Guy uh, with Seth and those guys. And like in between, you know, in between voiceover artists or whatever, I'd be sitting there programming. And um, so I released this thing and it just took off like a rocket within six months. McGraw-Hill was writing a book about it and like, like it just became this thing. So I quit audio, became a software entrepreneur. And again, that was a new chapter that I embraced. And it was kind of a meteoric rise for almost a decade Mm. because I was one of a few companies in the world doing this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But what happened was that in that decade, literally 300 competitors emerged, most of them open source, Mm. many of them, maybe most of them with VC backing. And it became this thick, thick competitive marketplace where people were starting to scratch and claw for smaller and smaller pieces of the, of the pie. Um, Social media emerged. A lot of people didn't really need to build these robust websites as they had in the past because they could just have Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts. And like the whole thing began rapidly, rapidly changing the, you know, day by day, it was like, this was a rapidly changing landscape. And so our company, you know, went from being a, you know, a multi-million dollar a year company to being a company that was, what was contracting, we were getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And this was just the reality of it. And so I was faced with a decision, you know, I, I, we have to do something. And so I went on the hunt for some VCs and, and this is how it happened. So that you asked about the elation of signing that, the, that contract, the, the elation was not only elation that, that I did it, that I sold it, but that. Um, that we were going to be okay. Because again, this, this had turned into an insanely competitive marketplace. Everyone was kind of doing the same thing. And I thought, you know, now is the time to fundamentally reinvent 
what it is that we do. We're not a blogging company. We're not content management. We're going to take it to an entirely new level of artificial intelligence, machine learning. You, Traver, go to Ford.com, let's say, and it says, oh, we know, maybe they don't know who you are personally, but they can glean certain things and say, okay, we know you like trucks. We know you're, you know, there's a likelihood you like dark colors and it creates this entire AI experience in real time tailored for you. And so to me, I see that as being kind of an evolution of, of the web. So there was the elation, the relief, the wow, you know, okay. And the opportunity that now we have a chance to go even farther with this thing and reinvent what it is that these tools do. Mm -hmm. And so it was all these, you know, emotions real wrapped up in this whole thing. Um, And then, you know, when I was given the, the green light, the opportunity to spearhead this whole thing, I mean, I was starting to conceive of this new platform, you know, I branded it, I gave it a name, I, you know, I we're coming up with, okay, what are the requirements of this? We, we need machine learning guys, we need guys who uh, uh, are specialists in language, you know, in, uh, in, in all these, all these aspects of, of, of AI and stuff. So, and then to go from literally one day to the next to be like, oh, wait a sec, these guys are walking away, and we're totally in the in the red now. And there's no money coming into it. Like the whole thing just cascaded. Mm-hmm. And then it became this, it took me a year to extricate myself from this thing. It wasn't a one day thing. It was yeah, like okay. every day it just got more and more painful because yeah. I was having to just strip away my own personal resources to just get myself out of here, yeah. pay debt, pay back debt of the company, right. pay, pay, make payroll expenses that there was no money for. I literally paid it out. I mortgaged my house to pay my team. You know, oh. it was that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so it was a a real interesting time and, you know, I'm resilient. I, again, you go to a dark place for a while and and eventually you just say, screw it. It's, it is what it is. I can't control that. All I can control is how I respond and how I move forward. Mm. Yeah, I get that, man. So it sounds like you were like the tail end of a bad relationship. It's not like, how was it to wake up that morning single? It's like, well, we've been fighting for about a year. Things, things (laughs) hadn't been that amazing. What a story, huh, folks? Like this, this guy has been through some shit and is now on the other side and is now just, isn't he doing what we prescribe here at Uncivilized? Like, hey, I don't know if this is going to work, but my heart says I need to do it, so I'm going to do it. That's the kind of living that I like. That's also the kind of living that Zen Squatch promotes, my sponsor. So please go to Instagram at Zen Squatch, drop them a line, go to their store at www.zensquatch.com, buy a t-shirt, buy a, buy a sweatshirt, Uh, Use the code uncivilized for a fat discount and even better, drop them a note. Just take two seconds when you're on Instagram and be like, hey guys, heard you on the uncivilized podcast. Love your stuff. Keep kicking ass. All right. Back to Rick Ellis. How did you deal with the vastness of opportunity that was then in front of you? People often think I can't wait till I get to the day when I can do whatever I want. And I've told people, because I've lived that day. It's, it's, it's terrifying to have every opportunity and yet no structure in the middle. It's, it's pure feminine without any masculine mm-hmm. structure. How did you handle that or deal with that or, or navigate, navigates the word I'm looking for? How did you navigate a wide open front when, when it all fell? That's, that's a good question. You know, you just have, you know, it's not like I had 50 different ideas for what I'm going to do next. It was really like you just say, 
I have no clue. I did know that I was pretty burnt out on tech. Okay. You know, I had been through all the phases of that. And this was just, you know, it was something I immersed myself into in the early days because it interested me. I tend to be one of these guys where I find an interest and I just get really into it. Mm -hmm. And I had lost my interest. By the end, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go get a tech job sure. tomorrow. You know, I have a lot of skills in, in IT. I could probably go work a Silicon Valley job and I'm like, and probably make good money mm-hmm. doing that. But I can't do it. <laughs> I can't. It's like, yeah. this is part of that chapter that mm-hmm. came to an inglorious end. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't go back. You, you yeah. can't, you can't go back. Yeah. So the question is what comes next? Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with an assessment of where you are now. Where am I now? Well, I'm creative. I like making media. I'm good at that. Okay. Maybe there's a pathway there. So for me, it was just more an assessment of what's my skill set, and, you know, what might interest me in doing. And yeah. so I had this idea. It was a fragment of an idea. It's not, it's still not fully formed, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't look at it as having this vast, I mean, maybe in a certain sense, you're like, there's a million directions I could go. I got to pick one. Well, right. I didn't feel like I had a million directions. I knew which ones I didn't have, which were mm. things that I had done in the past. It was more like, let's start with a kernel of an idea that I think is going to make me happy because mm-hmm. ultimately it has to be a path that you have passion for, mm-hmm. not just something where you think there's some money there. Right. I, I don't care about money. You know, it sounds ludicrous. It's like I made a pile of money, but, and then I, but I didn't care about that. Like I'm not fundamentally motivated by money. I don't care sure. about that. I'm fundamentally motivated by doing things that I love that I'm interested in that I have curiosity about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question, honestly, in a way. I, I think you did. It's, it's, there isn't a like, well, step A is this step. A one is this step. A two is that no. it's, I, I appreciate you just sharing that it's a journey. And and I think for so many men, they're looking for, okay, lost the job last week. Don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Give me the seven point guidebook to finding my new purpose and my new thing. And oh, by the way, it's going to have a seven figure income. I'm going to have a really hot secretary. I'll have a car, a really nice car, maybe a private jet. And you're like, well, what makes you happy, bro? (laughs) What makes, what, what, and and, you know, and a lot of times people giving those bullet points, you know, you know, I think, and maybe you know, it's sort of my cynical side or, or, or the fact that, you know, I've been there. Sure. I think there's an impulse for people that have achieved some level of success to look back and identify this sort of systematology that allowed them to get there. But the reality is most of that's just bullshit. Mm. You know, you're just doing the best you can at that particular moment, making decisions. And there's some luck involved. There's some timing involved. There's some, you know, some people become successful and honestly, it wasn't something they planned. It sort of worked out that way. They made some good decisions along the way. And yet they look back like, oh, I'm now going to sell this book on the seven principles to achieve the highest level of actualization. But honestly, dude, that's bullshit. You, you were, you know, a reasonably smart person with reasonably good instincts. You made some good decisions and the timing was good. The market was right. Right everything lined up. So I would say there isn't, there aren't seven ways. There are simply, there's the one principle, which is you just got to do it. That's all it is. You just have to be willing to, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other today. Today, I'm going to make progress toward this thing. Yeah. 
And that's it. That's the one step. Yeah. Brilliant. Rick, I've noticed that there's been a shift in some of your content recently towards more speaking directly to men. Would you mind sharing what brought that about and how that inspires you or or how you relate to it? That's kind of an exploration of what what I think the channel should become. And I'm not totally sure. Some of it, honestly, so my instructor, Roy Dean, my jujitsu instructor, who's one of my closest friends and we talk all the time. And he is one of my biggest advocates. Mm. I mean, he calls me and he's like, dude, just do it. You're doing it, man. Like he, Mm. honestly, he's like the best cheerleader I could have. And I, I really appreciate that from him. He's the guy that's encouraged me to do the podcast. Like he's like, dude, just do it. And, and, and one of the things that he, he keeps telling me, he's like, don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. You have an idea for a piece of content, just get it done and push it out. Mm-hmm. And then you're on to the next thing. Don't overthink it. Don't like feel like you are constrained by this, you know, grand strategy. Sure. Whatever you, you feel like doing. And so a lot of times these, you know, these videos, it's just whatever I happens to be on my, on my mind that day. Like, you know, some of that, those conversations with men, it's literally, I'll be laying in bed, reading a book, like that one, I did five rules for men, mm-hmm. that video, which got, you know, a lot of good response. That was me uh, on a Saturday night, laying in bed, reading a book. And I got this fragment of an idea. And the idea was some young, young guy comes to me and says, you know, what are the rules for life? What, what mm-hmm. are the, you know, what are the principles that I should seek to follow? And mm-hmm. so I, had my iPad. I started just making a few notes. I'm like, uh, yeah. okay, let me make a note, a few notes thing. And so I had a list of 12 things or 14 things. And then I just whittled that down to five things to keep the video more tight. Sure. And then literally that next morning on a Sunday morning, I went down, got my coffee, threw on my video light, went down. And that was pretty much one take. It was just me mm-hmm. off the cuff, just running through that. I chopped out a couple chunks where I, I uh, got a little verbose and, and that was it. I mean, that was, Honestly, I, there was no real strategy behind that other than it yeah. was just an idea for some content. And I'm trying to just feed the, feed the machine, right? Just yeah. come out with two, three pieces of content every week and see if I can just keep feeding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. It's so many people who I know who are successful in an arena fumbled their way through it. Mm. Or I wrote half of a book on airplanes on my phone or on a toilet sitting there. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. I don't, that's just what I want to talk about. How come you've shifted if you, if you don't mind specifically to just our, to men, as opposed to jujitsu or skill specifically, what about this interests you? Um, I don't know if it's been a shift per se. I think it's an evolution of my concept for the mm-hmm. art of skill, which is the, becoming the best versions of ourself mm-hmm. in a sense. And that, again, that touches on so many different things and so many things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think though, that men are hurting out there. I think that there is a real need in the manosphere, if you call mm-hmm. it that mm-hmm. for, you know, for content, for, you know, for help for guys like that. Yeah. One of the things that got me thinking about that a little bit, I had a conversation with Nick Gregoriatis, who's, who's a brilliant guy. He's uh Hodger Gracie's first black belt, and he has shifted toward becoming a men's coach. Mm. And so he's got, you know, a bunch of guys that he counsels, he coaches. And sure. 
And, um, you know, through some conversations with him, I, you know, I saw the pathway that he has taken Mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, maybe there's something to that. And, and, and so that got me thinking a little bit and, um, I'm a man. I know more, much more about men than women. I, I can't, you know, I can't, I love, I love women. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think they're, they're wonderful and beautiful and yeah. you know, we, we wouldn't exist without, without good women, but I don't know much about women, honestly, you know, it's not my thing. Yeah. Um, whereas I know a little bit about men having yeah. been one most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've, I've seen a lot of this evolution as well of a number of us who are now in this arena or planted in this arena started in the physical world, started with fitness, started with jujitsu, started with nutrition, started with kickboxing and and went, wow, I had this decade experience of working with guys, but I didn't touch them below the surface or I did, but not consciously. It was sure, you know, I taught them about fear management. I taught them about self-esteem before a match, but I didn't really specifically get into the arena of this is how I'm, these are the skills and talents and, and paradigms a man needs to understand to be successful. So I'm curious also just of the collective consciousness shifting and who it's pulling along with it and saying, Hey, you're going to lead this. And, and what do you know? It's a lot of guys who go, who, who guys look at you and go, well, you're a black belt in jujitsu, which means you got some street cred. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take what you say is as truth, because you've, you've put the time in, you've gotten your ass handed to you. You're sitting here with a black eye on a podcast. You've, you've, you've passed, you've been initiated in some capacity. Did you have to, if I can ask, did you feel like you had to go through your own process specifically around manhood or the idea, like the inquiry, the curiosity into, wow, I am not just a human yeah. I'm not just a jujitsu guy. I'm also a man. And I ask you that yeah. question because for a lot of people, the, the question of what does it mean to be a man or who am I as a man is a shocker. It's like a, whoa, what did you just ask me? I, I'm, yeah. I'm 42 years old and no one's ever asked me that. So I'm curious if you had to go down your own pathway with that question. Man, Trevor, you're asking these questions that these are deep, deep rabbit holes. <laughs> I mean, honestly. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many hours do you have, bro? <laughs> I think, you know, we've got about 20 more minutes you could just give me... <laughs> and then I'd love to have you back on again. Uh, you know, that, that, the question of becoming a man, I, you know, we all have bullshit to deal with. We all have a lot of stuff in our past that we have to get past. And it seems like there's more and more of it because we have a very dysfunctional society in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, at least in the 1950s, kids growing up got the feminine, they got the masculine, they got the influence of both sides and you can, you know, whatever that you might criticize certain things about that. But you know, it's not like today where there is this mass confusion. Mm-hmm. There is this mass, you know, yeah, I mentioned this to Nick. I mean, I think there's a feminization of men that happens at an early age. And the example I gave, and there's many, many examples you could give where young boys are expected to sit with their hands folded in a classroom as docile creatures. I mean, this is not who men are. They're wild monkeys, mm-hmm. insane wild monkeys. 
And now let's medicate them if they can't do that. Now let's take away dodgeball. Let's take away all the ways in which they express you know, the things that are necessary for them to become men who are willing to be bold, to be fearless, to do the hard work, to, right. you know, there's so many lessons that you learn through play as a kid that have been stripped away. And so these, these boys, these young men are growing up and they have no freaking clue mm -hmm. what it even means to answer that question, to be a man. Mm -hmm. Um, in my case, uh, I came from a highly dysfunctional environment where there was emotional abuse mm. and no father anywhere to be seen. I, I grew up with a very, you know, narcissistic, dysfunctional mother. And I had to learn, I had to seek out. I remember <clears throat> as a young man, you know, real starting to get glimpses. I didn't have the full answer, but I started getting small glimpses that there was just profound unhealthiness in the way that I was growing up to become. Mm -hmm. the way that I was learning to uh, deal with conflict, the way mm -hmm. that I would become emotionally triggered, the way that, you know, just a lot of things that you begin having small insights into. And so for me, my, you know, my journey from teenager to mid twenties into my thirties was really one of seeking out resources that would help me understand how to become a healthy male how to be healthy in my relationships, mm -hmm. how to, you know, be in a relationship in a way that you bring a male energy that is healthy mm -hmm. and not, um, you know, emotional traits that are unhealthy that then create this, this ugly thing, you know? And so yeah. it's just, you know, epiph <clears throat> small epiphanies being willing to act on those small epiphanies. And that's, the, that's where the, the real hard work is mm. seeing the truth, being willing to act on the truth and not just glossing over the truth, not living in the bubble, but saying, okay, there's some truth here. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to follow that truth. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think a lot of my, my early experiences were that process that you talk about, um, trying to get it together, get it together as a man. And that in some ways that's the never ending journey, you know, right. no matter how long your life is, you're still going to have epiphanies and you're still going to be doing the work doing the yeah. work, doing the, hopefully it's smaller and smaller work over the mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. but there's always work to be done. Mm -hmm. And some of those, um, you know, emotional triggers from when you're young, some of that abuse, that trauma, whatever you call that, those things never fully go away. Sure. They sure. never fully go away, but they become <clears throat> manageable and they become things that you learn to recognize. And they, they're just not, they don't affect you anymore because you can see those patterns It's pattern recognition. You say, sure. I, you know, I, it's, I know what that feels like. Right. And I know what that used to lead to, but it's right. fine now. I'm just gonna, mm -hmm. gonna do this. So yeah, appreciate that. I, I don't and, know if that's a that's an answer to you. No, question, it's a great but, answer. And and I appreciate and I just want to give you some acknowledgement for a lot of people who grew up without a male element and a toxic female element, yeah. grow up with a needle in their arm, or they end up in prison, or they've beaten the shit out of you know their five last girlfriends. Yeah. So to have you here in front of me in a, a, a position of success, and I use that word holistically, not just right. monetarily, yeah. uh, I think is a really big deal. And I hope you do give yourself credit for it, especially as someone who has so much influence, both you know, in the real world as a jujitsu instructor and online as a mentor, whether you've chosen that path or not, 
men will look up to you. Men do look up to you and say, okay, this maybe is someone- it's chosen me. You know, I, it, it feels where I get a lot of email, <clears throat> a lot of messages from men that seem to it's resonating, whatever I'm doing. And again, I don't even know what it is yet, but, yeah. and it feels weird to me in a way, because I've always been kind of the lone wolf in a lot of ways. I'm mm-hmm. just doing my own thing. I, you know, I'm not innately, I've never been one of these guys that seeks out mentors or mm-hmm. like, I like, I just, I, I kind of do my own thing. And so to have guys looking at me that way is a real interesting, it's creating this interesting shift in myself where I'm like, Oh, let me, let me think about this. Maybe yeah maybe there's something here. Maybe mm. there's in my own journey, there's some lessons here that I learned that now mm. I can give back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and without taking myself too seriously, honestly, For I think sure. it's a real, you know, a lot of guys, they put themselves out there as like some guru or something. And honestly, I'm not that I'm just a dude who's, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like everyone else, hopefully I've had some epiphanies along the way and maybe I can, it can be helpful to others, but yeah, you know, I don't feel like I'm anything <clears throat> extraordinary, honestly. And the vacuity is massive though, mm. right? I, I remember being at a men's conversation in New York City. This was two or three years ago. Uh, if you follow Man Talks, my good brother, Connor Beaton, put this event on and he was interviewing four people, just different walks of life about masculinity. And at the end of it, a young man, probably 19, 20, raised his hand and, and, and was very emotional. I just got chills telling the story. Mm. And, he, and he was saying, you guys need to talk about this. We are, we have nothing. We do, we have no men to look up to either toxic or otherwise. Like at least we had Rambo and Commando and John Wayne and, and, you know, not perhaps not some guys who were fully emotionally formed, right? but like, those are dudes, those are men. And so the, the, the absence of role models is, is monumental. And I would say epidemic right now. I told you. So, so good Absolutely. for you for, for taking this mantle. If I can ask if we shift a little bit more to center of you're saying one of your goals is to teach people to be their best selves or be their highest selves for someone listening to this. who's like, all right, new to Rick, new to the podcast, this guy's stuff. He's making sense. He's got a black eye. So I'll take him seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's a dude that's really important. Uh, how do you, could, could you drop some, just some ideas that, that have worked for you as far as, skill acquisition, success acquisition, again, speaking holistically, or how does someone who's new to this game put on a white belt and step forward when it's coming to, I want to be better than I am today? Dude, you're killing me with these questions. (laughs) (laughs) I I keep track of how often a a guest says that. And it's like my little success meter. Yeah. I mean, boy. (laughs) <laughs> how to even begin to answer that, you know? Um, I mean, you know, for, for me, the answer has always come from doing, being, just per- pursuing something deeply. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like that famous book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which I never read, but sure. I get the concept. The concept is that there are deeper epiphanies, deeper lessons to learn by going deep into things. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's motorcycle maintenance, there are lessons applied to life there. Sure. So I think that one <clears throat> of the keys as men is we have to get past the superficial. Mm. You know, we have to get past the superficial. And one of the vehicles to do that is just find a pursuit 
that you engage in relentlessly and deeply. Uh, Josh Waitzkin, the you know the chess master, is now a jujitsu black belt under Marcelo Garcia, and you know he wrote a real interesting book. And he he talks about that concept a lot, which is that mm-hmm. the thing you do is just the husk. Mm-hmm. That's just the husk to this deeper, you know, this deeper source. Uh, of of knowledge that you can get. So I, I think a big part of it is just immersing yourself in some pursuit that takes you deep. Don't be one of these guys that just operates on a superficial level and use that process. You know, jujitsu is a good example. You show up as a white belt. It's hard. Mm. It's hard. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Yeah. You know, it is one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but the, the journey will change you. In, in profound ways, you don't even realize it's changing you. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize it. Just coming to class and getting beat up and being okay with that, being comfortable with discomfort, being, you know, all the lessons, yeah. learning to fail and coming back, even though you've failed mm-hmm. again and again and again and again, it becomes the husk through which you begin to transform yourself. And also, there's the element of truth mm. that is, I think, massive. There, the world lives in a delusion bubble. Social media feeds it. It is so easy to lie to yourself. And something like jujitsu is, if nothing else, it's truth. Mm. You get on the mat, you're no better than you are. You're no worse. Your ego is not going to save you. It's going to hurt you. Mm. Um, and you have to confront the truth that you're no better than you are. It's a struggle every single day. And it's that being willing to receive the truth as painful as it is, and then begin acting on that truth. And on a personal level, you know, how many people, I mean, the truth can be shattering, you know, as I've said before, I forget who I said this to, but the willingness to stand in front of the naked, in front of the mirror, metaphorically naked and look at yourself for who you really are. No better, no worse. I mean, don't do it don't do it to beat yourself up. Sure. Do it as a point of constructive progress. This is mm-hmm. where this is my starting point. Mm-hmm. I need to accept who I am now. This mm-hmm. is the truth and make myself better. Mm. Um, so that's sort of how I'd, I would answer that off the cuff. I mean, yeah. I think with some thought, maybe yeah. I would maybe approach it a little differently, but I think it starts with deep immersion into something, whether it's mountain biking, something. Right that's going to give you a purpose and a deeper understanding uh, of some aspects of your life. No, I think it's a brilliant answer. And my own instructors at, um, at the Arvada Academy say, you you learn 80% of what you're going to learn about jujitsu as a blue belt. You learn 80% of the moves. Yeah. You got it. You're a blue belt. You got 80% of the shit. And now the next five, seven, 10 years of your life are the depth. It's the depth. It's just the depth. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate you actually answering it that way because it feels like in the current culture, we are obsessed with being a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. And if we can go even wider and less deep, all the better. And, and I have my own relationship with social media. I'm sure you do too. But it, it is feeding this idea that depth is law. There's no need for depth when the word mastery which my instructor, Robert Wunderlich said, his whole thing is about, his whole life is about mastery. He's like, I don't give a yeah. fuck what you do, yeah. but you will go on a journey to get to mastery. And it feels like, Rick, it's going to be men like you in the position you're in 
that and men like Robert who reintroduced the idea of mastery yeah. to us. I can't buy a black belt. Yeah. Or I can, but I'm going to get my ass handed to me by a blue belt female on my second day. But I can buy a lot of other shit that people are like, oh, he's an expert. And listen, even though you have a black belt, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Tip right? of the iceberg as well. I mean, yeah. You know, every year I'm having deeper and deeper epiphanies on it. And again, it's mastery. Mm-hmm. How do you become, I mean, within that realm, it's how do you become so profoundly effective at jujitsu by being so insanely efficient and, you know, technically sound that it looks like you're doing nothing, mm-hmm. but you're, yet you're defeating somebody much more physically mm-hmm. developed than you yeah. and people that are masters of whatever the domain is it, it looks almost magical it looks like they're walking on air right it's like how do you do this so so easily how's it well if you really saw the work that went into that thing whether right. you're a business leader or whatever you know you get to a point where you can walk well the art skill right yeah um but there's a depth there that, ne- that never ends yeah 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 I remember doing the class, you know, shake hands, bump, sitting across from an instructor I had named Adam Benchet at Paragon in Santa Barbara and just staring at him. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. I was a I'm solid purple belt. I'm just staring at him. Like I haven't, there's no openings. What do I do? Yeah. And it was just, everything seemed closed. And I remember thinking like, this is where I want to get to more so than having some 50 point technical move that lands me on someone's back with my hand around their neck. I want to get to the point where the guy shakes my hand and gives up because there's just no entry, mm-hmm. but you've, you've nailed it, man. I hope you see this, that you have the word art and you have the word skill next to each other. And the duality between the two is where there's so much information and so much energy. So I, I, I don't want to keep fanboying all over your stuff, but I think what you're doing is <laughs> well, is I appreciate brilliant. it. I, it's I, brilliant. I appreciate it's, it. And I, yeah, this is, it. you know, it's a new journey for me and, you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm embracing it. And again, I, I don't think of myself and I say that truly, I, I just think of myself as just a guy that has a lot of interest and I like to just jump in and see how, how deep the rabbit hole goes. But yeah. You know, I, I appreciate it when, you know, guys like you, who've also accomplished great things and you're, you know, you're on the path yourself, man, you yeah. are on the path, um, you know, to, to get some little recognition from guys like you. I mean, it, it reinforces that maybe this is the correct path. It, it, you wouldn't be on it if it weren't, in my opinion, right? Anytime there's such a big opening that happens, so much gets taken away or cleared away. Mm-hmm. I say this to guys, like, be, be very curious about what starts showing up. If you had asked me three years ago, if I was doing men's work and writing a book and having this whole movement moving, like you're fucking insane, yeah. like get out of here. I'm there's not, nothing to do with this, but it just kept showing up and kept showing up. So Rick, for people who want to find more of you, get more of you, get your information, where are you hanging out? Where can people watch your videos? Or do you have a social media presence? Do you have a website? Uh, where can people get more Rick Ellis? Um, yeah, it's, you know, most of my, my content right now is on the YouTube channel. So it's just youtube.com slash the art of skill. Um, or you can go to the art of I mean, that's a little hub uh, that kind of points in the various directions. Um, 
you know, that's it. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I don't do as much on, on those platforms as I should. I, I part of me thinks I should just sort of consolidate maybe to Instagram and just start pushing more content there. But yeah. um, you know, everything takes time. So yeah, mostly it's, it's on, on YouTube. If you're in the neighborhood, I own a little jujitsu Academy in Laramie, Wyoming. It's where the, the university of Wyoming is. And we love visitors. We're right by interstate 80. We get a lot of people that are traveling across the country or they're, you know, they just happen to be rolling by and they'll drop in and, and, you know, do some training. We, we love guys dropping in and getting some awesome. training with us. So doors are always open and I've met some amazing people I'm sure. through, through, through that experience. So, I mean, that's kind of what I do right now. I, I teach jujitsu every night and I, I create some uh, content on the art of skill channel on YouTube. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your willingness to come on. And as someone who sees perhaps more of the impact of your work than you do, because you're in it, uh, thank you just for doing what you do. Uh, we're all in this movement together as far as helping men, helping people, helping shift the consciousness of the planet. So I appreciate you, brother. I look forward to doing this again. Thank you. I, I appreciate it as well, Trevor. Thank you very much. Yep. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.